they use it as a magical in, incantation. Mm-hmm. But what we got to do is try, try to figure out, especially like for Medicare for all, and that's one of the things, things we're trying to work on, mm-hmm. is, yeah. is how in practical terms we can absorb all these people who, who will lose their jobs from getting rid of the insurance industry, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but like that never factors into the uh, you know, utopian fantasies. I'm kind of obsessed with like, uh, I'd like to learn more about like the people who were against the Apollo program because mm-hmm. they were like, hey, we very much have like problems we could be figuring out right now. But what you see now is like the Tom Hanks documentary, like Ron Howard view of like, we got to go to space and we got to right. do the things that they did in the movies. Right. Well, they got to keep the progress uh, narrative going, don't they? Yeah. yeah. Yep, they definitely do. Yep, and and it's always fucking over us. Right. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> as much progress as there is, that's the one thing that never fucking changes. <laughs> right, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> but hey, you know, we did it. Did yeah. um, we did win a big victory today? I guess you guys saw, it, right? Like um, thirteen hundred nurses. In uh, Asheville, North Carolina, yeah, this I, did see that. I did see oh, that. Nice. That's so cool. I, I did. I saw, uh, my friend was talking about that. That was awesome. They yeah, had a bu- They had a bunch of uh, taxi drivers uh, on in. I think on the Brooklyn Bridge, they just like stopped their cars and they were like, "We need debt forgiveness now." <laughs> oh really? Oh nice. Good. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's awesome. the kind of shit we got to do. Yeah. Yeah. We just need to have a lot of a lot of fucking people on side. You know. Right. Yep. Yep. WHIVLP New Orleans 102.3. Uh, today on the show, we have uh, a couple of guests and we have Scott. Yeah, we got Scott on the show like usual, but we also Pretty got. special. I'm not special. Uh, what are the guests? <laughs> we got uh, Ben Yudishin, uh, multi- like one not of the. Not that special. Yeah. And we not also... as special as our other guests. We got another yeah, you... unspecial uh, guy, yeah. Adolf, here. Some dude, Adolf Reed. He's uh, joining the show too. What's going on, Adolf? Yeah, Adolf. Yeah, ben, is, uh, Ben's just like Steve Martin on like early Saturday Night Live. Exactly. He's just like not on the show, but he's always there. Exactly. <laughs> this is my uh, era. This is my era. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So. Uh, Adolf is a uh, pro- professor emeritus at the University of Philadelphia. Uh, also, pick up, go and pick up class notes if you haven't already. It's classic. Uh, what's going on, Adolf? How you doing? Thank you for joining us. Oh, yeah, I'm hanging in here, man. You know we're. Uh... I'm um, just trying to figure out uh, um, where we stand uh, and, um, you know, little things like, is there going to be an election in November? Like, I was actually talking to a friend of mine I worked with in the Sanders campaign mm-hmm. both, both times who was on, like, a short list for the, um, um, for the, for the uh, transition team task force. And she's also working on a book. Uh, that includes a chapter on the military, and I I asked her in all, all seriousness, but 
um, if she what what she thinks the military would do if Trump tried tried uh, you know not to leave the White House. Mm -hmm. uh, and I mean the and the idea that that's that's an open question um, you know, at this point is 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 scary enough. Basically. Yeah, it ain't great <laughs> at all. No. no. So like like this is and and you know that's one of the funny things and I I kind of wasn't expecting to go here first but like when you think about that and like there's just the like ways mm -hmm. that there's like entertaining the idea of like well this is how you know if this happens then the election won't be legitimate and if that happens with mail in ballots the election won't be legitimate or whatever right. like he's already kind of right. talking that you know that BS and right. like I don't know yeah, like yeah. like even if he's just messing around like that ain't that it's not funny man. No. Well, I mean, look, I mean, a guy like him, right? Like he's pure narcissist con man, right? Yeah. So he's always just kind of probing around the edges, um, you know, to see what sticks. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's just looking for the thing that'll stick. Mm -hmm. I mean, but from a larger perspective, I mean, the thing I've been thinking is that, so like we might be, um approaching a point where like especially you look around the whole globe um that you know neoliberalism might be exhausting its its capacities to to deliver enough stuff to enough people to maintain uh, you know, legitimacy as a nominally democratic order right mm -hmm. uh i mean you look at brazil um bolivia honduras um Greece, no, not Greece, sorry. Um, Poland, Hungary, India, Ukraine, UK, right? Um, and and the rise of authoritarian neoliberalism. And you note, I don't call it authoritarian populism because that shit isn't really populist, mm -hmm. right? But when you consider that the core of the neoliberal project was always um, anti-democratic, right? It was always uh, just, just trying to substitute um, technocratic processes for um, public accountability. Well, when it gets to the, if if it gets to the point where um, the electoral system threatens the game too much and threatens the game too much because they're not, I mean. It, I mean, like, as you used to say, say, when I was a kid here, basically, like, uh, I, I mean, the ruling class isn't giving out anything but bubblegum and hard times and are always fresh out of bubblegum, right? So, <laughs> uh, and, and, and you figure after a certain point, um, people just aren't going to lie, lie down for that anymore. That's what Bernie showed in 2016 uh, and, and also in 2020. And that's also what Trump showed in 2016. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean... I'll shut up after this, but 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 another point that I try to make often is that you know the untold story or the the inadequately remarked upon story of 2016 is is that between six and a half million and just over nine million people who voted for Trump had voted for Obama at least once, mm -hmm. right? So there's got to be something more going on there than just racism. And I know, you know, the McWokeyites, as a buddy of mine calls them. Uh, and, uh, and, and he said, I can use it as, as long as I absolutely never 
um, attribute it to him, so I'm not going to. <laughs> uh, but, um, but I mean, um, I mean the Milwaukeeites just can't can't see anything except you know everybody who voted for Trump was a racist and a sexist and a xenophobe. Um, but um, I mean, I recommend an article like in, in our online journal called nonsite.org. There's an article by a friend of mine who's a, um, a labor ed person in Hawaii named you know, Leslie Lopez. And it's about, uh, um, she calls it a case study in two uh, you know, Latino, in quotes, Trump voters and, and her parents. Um, and she's from that, that little um, section of Colorado that borders on uh, New Mexico and from um, a family that's part of that population that's, you know, Mexican three days a week and, and Native American three, three days a week. And they sp speak like a, a dialect of Spanish that nobody else does. Mm -hmm. But her old man, you know, worked with Chavez and the farm workers. He was like um, a steward in a meatpacker's local, right? When, when he worked in a packing plant and he was an AFGE when he worked as a government employee, so he's a union guy. And, um, and um, he said, like, and talk, oh, she said, like, talking to her parents in 2016, like, her father finally said to her, look, I, I believe Trump just like I believed Obama, right? And the punchline there is that people believed Obama and he was bullshitting, right? He, and, and I'll push it a step further that, that Obama told people in, tw in uh, you know, 2008 and then again in 2012, but he told people that his race, right, his racial classification was the equivalent of a progressive politics. And that that's- Just based off of that, who he was, like, like his identity and like the, right. what he embodied? Right, exactly. Uh, yeah, yes, exactly. His identity and his body. And somehow his identity was gonna be what um, overcame or un undid or moderated all the ways that people were hurting and all the shit that they'd lost, right? Uh, I mean, after the, uh, in uh, the Great Recession. Well, when you think about it that way, that's kind of what Trump did, mm -hmm. right? Except he just had a different embodiment and a, and a different kind of bullshit promise, mm -hmm. right? And, and look, there's as much ugliness around Trump. I mean, you know, you live in Jefferson Parish, for God's sake. I mean, there's as much ugliness around Trump as you can expect to find, right? Oh, yeah. um, I think it's kind of cool, though, like all this boat flotilla shit, because he's he trying to blame, blame, blame us on a working class. There ain't no poor white people with fucking cabin cruisers. Yeah, right? exactly. You got yachts sinking in the in in ocean or in the, in the wherever. Right, right. And <laughs> like working people have yachts. Not they can fucking sink one another, right, from being irresponsible. Uh, yeah. But, I mean... But yeah, anyway, let me shut up. I mean, that's, that's, that's all you got to do to have the president not like you is be a loser. Like, right. Yeah, be that's a sucker right. and a no, loser. No, that's exactly right. But yeah. uh, is uh, what was I thinking about? Uh, that I think people just like want the government to work with like them having to do as little as possible. Like right. people right. looked at Obama and they're like, well, he looks uh, he looks like he can do the job and give us all right. the things we want. And we won't have to tell him anything. He, he knows our hearts or whatever like that. Well, and... You and I mean, that was his hustle, right? Like, uh, uh, I mean, the guy never read his um, two uh, new memoirs until I started trying to write about him. Mm -hmm. But he actually says it, right? Right? He said that my, that, that I have a talent for getting people to think that I agree with them. Mm -hmm. 
and and it's funny, man. And like you read that stuff, and it fucking reads like you know it's Ted Bundy's memoir, right? But like the liberals. <laughs> I uh, 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 like jumping up and down about how wonderful this is and how clever it is. I'm thinking, wow, like, are you reading the same shit on the page? Like, he's 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 telling you that I'm hey, bullshitting you. Say what right. you will, say what you will about Barack Obama, but he did not score three touchdowns in one game. Right. <laughs> so, that's so, that's quite true. He didn't. <laughs> to compare that though, he was a basketball he was a basketball player. Uh, anyway, to compare that to um, like Bernie Sanders, and maybe this is part of the problem, right? Bernie, what did he say when he was running for office? Is that like I'm gonna be the organizer in chief, which sort of denotes the idea right. that like, oh, when you elect me, we got more work to do. <laughs> yeah, oh, people people very much are like, ugh, no way, I don't want to do more <laughs> no, work. No, 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 I know, no, I know. <laughs> well, right, that's the other thing, man, and 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 like it shows up like every four years, right? Mm-hmm. Right, we got a left that that doesn't organize, doesn't try to build power, right? Is more about expression than about anything else. And then you look up every four years and see like that the candidates that are getting tossed up by the Democratic Party are unacceptable. Dog shit. Right, and so then you, you know, well, maybe like Ralph Nader or Jill fucking Stein. I, um, I was on a panel with Jill Stein here um, at a t- 10th anniversary of, of a Katrina thing, she's absolute. She's an absolute fucking space cadet. Like, I, uh, <laughs> I think they brought her back in the fucking Apollo program, right? Yeah. bottom of the space shuttle, or some shit. Yeah, I was always partial to Marianne instead of her. No, Marianne <laughs> oh, was well, an absolute a- turd. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. In fact, I had a friend who kept calling her the witch. Oh no! <laughs> I mean, it's like pretty indicative of like Ben defend your girl. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Well, you know, it's fine. It's fine. It's kind of know. like I have a new age mom, so I uh, feel like I have to have to defend these people. <laughs> to be honest, I'm kind of on your side. <laughs> but it uh, it is kind of indicative of like what we're hearing about the Biden program, like just recently in the in the news, like they just did not have anybody knocking on doors, oh. like. But like, it seems like what they really want is like, uh, kind of like with them, like decrying the left and stuff. They want somebody to be like, "Fine, okay, I'll do everything. You guys just sit that over there and uh, uh, just dunk on uh, the president in the polls." And it's like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, like they're always like making their tweets like, "Ooh, the president doesn't know this is illegal. Wait till he gets a load of this." Right, right. <laughs> and everybody, and everybody in the comments is screaming like, "You guys are like the people in power." Like, right. Right, exactly. Well, look, man. Look, so I mean, I vote in Pennsylvania, right? Mm-hmm. And we're a swing state. And so last time, um, the Clinton campaign had these two ads, right? They ran two fucking ads, and they ran these these two ads. It seemed like every five minutes of every day. What one of them? I don't know if they showed it here. Like I, I know they ran it in in, in Illinois because my son. Son saw it, but it's this woman who like gives off all the you know proper upper middle class vibes, right? And it turns out she's she's an economics professor at at Drew at a Drew U at a at at Drew University across the river in in Jersey. And she says, you know, very soberly, um, I'm I'm a Republican, 
but my son has autism and there's no place for my son in Donald Trump's America. And I don't even think she says I'm voting for Hillary Clinton, right? And the other commercial was the grab him by the pussy one. And I'm thinking, really? Look, like you motherfuckers think this is gonna win Pennsylvania for you, even win women in Pennsylvania for you? But the Democrats have been going since, since Clinton, since the creation of the Democratic Leadership Council in, mm-hmm. in the mid eighties and since they won control of the party. They've been pushing this this magical non-existent constituency that's created by the political consultants. And it's um, socially liberal, fiscally conservative, upper middle class suburban women. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the little burb that, Angie's list. <laughs> that I lived in just, uh, just outside Philly, when Kerry ran in 2004, uh, the fucking New York Times did a um, 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 a dateline from like this little borough, right? Because they thought, okay, this is like where where the national security moms live, right? I don't know if you remember that one, but that was one one of the labels that they put on this bogus constituency. But and I'm sure you know that Schumer and former governor and mayor of Philadelphia, Rendell, both boasted in 2016 that for every blue collar vote they lost in Western PA, they'd pick up two from the upper middle class Philly suburbs. Well, they mm-hmm. didn't, because guess what? Rich people vote their fucking economic interests. Exactly. Too, right? Uh, but, but, but they're trying, and, and Biden, right? Uh, I mean, just like Klobuchar and the rest of the Cretans, <laughs> right? Uh, all they said, during the primary campaign was, you can't aspire to anything. Um, you, you shouldn't want anything. That's, well, it's irresponsible for you to want anything, right? Shut up. Uh, and, and, and the only two things that Biden had, had to say ever were, yeah, I was with Obama and uh, I can talk to Republicans. Well, well they told you what's, what's, what's fucking coming and and I saw an article a couple of days. I forget who wrote it, um, but but whoever it was was saying, okay, well, so the Republicans have just taken over the Democratic Party, basically, right? Uh, so we know, and and I trust you guys have seen too that some of Biden's people have been saying, well, you know, as we look down the road, I don't think we'll be able to pay for anything because the deficits are going to be so fucking high. So elect me, I won't be able to do nothing. <laughs> Right, 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 exactly. Which is like 50 years of black electoral power, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, but on the front end, it's like, vote for me, and I'll set you free. And on the back end as well, you know, I couldn't do anything because the powerful white people wouldn't let me, mm-hmm. right? But anyway, that's another story. But, um, but my greatest fear is, well, my greatest fear next to a Trump coup is that we have a Biden-Harris administration that takes the opening kickoff and tries to run out the clock for four years or or eight years even. And that just sets the stage for a more competent and more dangerous version of Trump. And then the only thing we got going for us is like the jerk-offs, is that the jerk-offs who do all their politics by posturing on, on the internet that the desk squads will go for them first, which will give the rest of us time to grab a toothbrush and get to Canada. 
I'm close. That yeah, oh, yeah, oh, you got the inside oh, track. Oh, that's right. You definitely are. You're right up yeah. there. See y'all yeah. later. I might just yeah, have to Jeff, like go to Mexico. Jeff absolutely rooked. Like, we <laughs> got to go through the whole like, country. I'm what, man? Like a four hour drive to Vancouver? Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, nothing. Yeah. Piece of cake. And, and, and that's including the um, border. So if I'm yeah. just going across the border without any papers, I can oh, yeah. do that in like three hours. You can take a train up there. Yeah, you can just. Ben can just dumb it, man. You got to make Exactly. Exactly. My cats might not be able to uh, make it. Oh, no. I'm actually curious, uh, Adolf. Um, do you think that this whole magical consultant constituency is be, is like is is it like a do they know that it's not like going to win, or is it's is is it more that they just don't like they just constantly believe it just because of their class their right. class position hey man that's the big question uh yeah I mean, it's a big question and and i mean it kind of reminds me like what one of the reasons like i went into the social sciences in graduate school was like because uh, i was a political science major and i was curious like whether you know the luminaries in the field believe that stupid shit that they wrote or <laughs> if like this was just something they were doing at paid and and i mean i never got an answer and and even though, like in my first job, like I was at Yale for ten years, and like a lot of you know uh, the luminaries of the older generation were walking around the hall, but I still never got it. But yeah, I mean it's a natural question, right? Right to wonder about, and I wonder about it all the time too. Mm-hmm. And I think the answer probably is, is some of both, right? Because when you look 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 back at twenty twenty. Right. I mean, just to, uh, I mean, just to start there. Um, they sounded more or less sincere, as sincere as a motherfucker like Schumer or Pelosi can ever sound. Um, that they were convinced that Bernie couldn't win, but they're convinced that Bernie couldn't win, partly because of the way that they have tried to construct what the boundaries of the thinkable in the American electorate are for like close to 40 years now. So in the context of the limited frame that they've convinced themselves is reality through trying to impose it at, as, as reality, I think they were convinced. But I mean, that reminds me of something my dad always said. He said, you know, sincerity is vastly overrated as a virtue, right? He said, you know, Himmler and Goering were sincere that the world would be better off with no Jews and gypsies in it. So it's not <laughs> what, whether you're sincere, it's what you're sincere about, right? Yeah, what you're doing. But, yeah, but I think, though, I mean, like, like it's still a pertinent question because, um, uh, because if we're trying to figure out how they're likely to act, right, um, then it's, it's helpful to try to have some sense of which... Um, motor is driving them right, right at the moment, and and it might be that they shift, right, or that the motor shifts ba- based on circumstances. I mean, I thought from the very beginning in in 2019 that they made clear, right, that they were more frightened of the left and Sanders than they were of the possibility of a second Trump. Mm-hmm. And that just says to me that says everything in the fucking world, right? Mm-hmm. Because there may not be a world at the end of a second Trump 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 term, but 
but they're class power. Although, um, uh, ironically, Trump is Trump seems somewhat less less likely to blow up the world in war because he's like a coward and a pussy ultimately, and he likes Bones to talk, bears, yeah. talk tough. But 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 but, but it's hey, right. To follow he's just some he's just some private school guy who's like never been in a fight. <laughs> oh no, totally. No no no, it's exactly right. But, hey, 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 don't want to be mean to guys who've never been in fights, all right? No, I mainly just fight with Todd. Uh, yeah, but, but Ben, you're not like constantly like trying to bully us around. Like, yeah, that's like true. tough talkers, you know? Oh, yeah, you, well. You're not in a DM. Well, yeah, you yeah, haven't yeah. been in me and Jeff's Yeah, chat. you're not in a DM oh. with us. <laughs> but if I might say something, uh, yeah, sure. my, my dad also used to say something. He was a Republican. Well, he called himself like an independent or whatever, but like right. – uh, I think it was the Bob Dole presidency. He was like, uh, it broke oh, his man. brain. He was like, oh man, all they ever do is give it to the oldest candidate and just like the, yeah. the old guys got no ideas. And that's basically like the Democratic Party in a nutshell right now. Like, like they just gave it to Joe Biden. Like, like it's like almost like they don't aren't even considering like their plan. Like, uh, let's let's just consider like this election is putting together a basketball team. Yeah, mm-hmm. you. You have this this uh this like old guy and he's the leader of the team, right? But where right. are your young stars? Like, where's the squad? Like, you why are they at the like, forefront? Like, talking you mean about like, all these issues? Kamala, like, Kamala and Buddha judging in Amy Klobuchar, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, I was gonna say, I, I mean, let's let, let's use a football team team analogy, right? Uh, I mean, you got this guy who's an old guy. He's been around for a long time. Signs his bodies breaking down on him but he had association with success in in the past so you pick him and make him quarterback mm-hmm. yeah it's just it's the Tampa. it's the charges picking up johnny unitas yeah like, you, oh, did you oh say, well, yeah 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 did, do you yeah, say like brady or, do you say brady in yeah. tampa yeah, exactly. Or like, um, what was it? They just Joe Montana, the Saints. Joe Montana playing for the for the Chiefs. You know, right. <laughs> crazy yeah. stuff. Or uh, I mean, we can keep this going for a while. Yeah. Uh, um, Philip Rivers going to um, Indiana, right? I mean, oh, come on, yeah, right. Like, like who's the young stars? Like, who's our receivers? Who's our like line? Okay. Do we no. have a secondary? <laughs> right. No, no, no. I know. Well. Well, I mean, thinking back on it, right, and and how it unfolded, right? I mean, you remember, but like they, so yeah, my sense is that the first strategy was just to draw a lot of them in, right? right I mean, into the race and yeah. hope that somebody would connect with voters out there. But I mean, none of them had like anything to offer, right? Uh, I mean, Klobuchar, didn't have anything to say except no. Yeah. Um, Buttigieg didn't have anything to say. Like he was, he was so clearly a guy who stood in the mirror practicing being being like Obama <laughs> in, in, yeah. the, in the McKinsey and, in the McKinsey office bathroom. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Making his exactly. voice go down yes. two octaves. You know. Yes. This is my Mad Men reference. R- for the Richie day. Cunningham uh, looking guy. There's a there's a, a scene in Mad Men where uh, like one of the young copywriters is talking to Don Draper and she's like, "Well, sex sells," and he's like, "Well, the people who say sex sells are the people who think like monkeys on typewriters can do this job." Like, uh-huh. like oh yeah, right, right, like, yeah. Like these people don't have any imagination. They just like they're just wor- waiting for it to click. Right. No. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. So 
they threw a bunch of them up there and it didn't look like anybody was getting anywhere, right? I mean, Harris, um, what, what, and they had mixed emotions about Warren, but they mm-hmm. cut a deal with her early. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but that other shit, like, Cory Booker, like Cory Booker, Booker, like an, Cory Booker is like a pretty like interesting guy, but mm-hmm. like you know he's got like all these bad connections to like uh, Betsy DeVos, stuff, you know? Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. Chris Christie, one. They, like they like destroyed education in in, yeah. in, right. in New Jersey. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and I mean then uh, and I can remember there was like a couple of um, sort of indistinguishable Ken dolls. Mm-hmm. Some uh, some General Wesley Clark's. Yeah, I mean, the one guy from California and then another one from uh, who was pretending like to be the working class voice from Ohio. And I mean, that fucking guy was so, 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 so dumb. Like he had to open um, you know, the window so he could get some light um, for his brain to work. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, needed some photosynthesis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. Uh, but, but so it got to the point where like, None of them was 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 standing out from the pack, and the interesting thing is that both Warren and Harris took nose nose dives when they backed away from Medicare for all, mm-hmm. right? Which which would which you think would tell the party uh, at least something, but they are more concerned about protecting the financial class and mm-hmm. the investor class than they are about winning the election. And in that sense, and I mean, going back to your question, man, I think, um, I mean, something else my dad often said was that, uh, um, that um, from one perspective, ideology is the mechanism that harmonizes the principles that you want to think you hold with what advances your interests, right? Yeah. Uh, and from that perspective, then, like, it's important for them to be committed to the idea that this bullshit can, can win because what they want to do is is impose the terms on on which it can win and in that sense they're a little well they kind of remind me of the Whigs, like in the 1840s right because they've got this contradiction at the core of their party that they don't want to deal with and they can come close enough to winning the presidency and maybe win you know what once every third time or whatever um and I've been waiting for the Democrats to to collapse like the Whigs did in the mid 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 fifties for like twenty five years. Mm-hmm. Now um, I don't I don't like what would happen if they collapsed, right? So what else is there to fill that space? <laughs> right, right. No, no. Well, nothing, nothing. That's yeah. right. And I mean, a lot of lefties think, oh yeah, well, you know, the left movement will rise, but that's not the way this stuff works. That's you magical know. thinking. Well, that actually reminds me of a of a phrase I've heard you use in a lot of interviews that I really relate to, having watched Seattle politics. And you know, yeah. we have some kind of a left here. You know, we have right. a socialist yeah. city council member. Right. We have like a lot of people who are very activated on some class issues around yeah, like gentrification. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 And um, I've. You know, you've uh, used this phrase, the myth of the uh, spark and and how that kind of I think the mythology that happens, I've noticed that actually really breaking down a lot of bonds that I thought we had really built here over Mm -hmm. over the past probably decade, I would say kind of since Shama Sawant came on the scene, it kind of gave a chance to kind of 
you know, build out and we have like a relatively left city uh, council. But just this week, we had the Black Lives Matter Seattle King County group basically back up our neoliberal mayor to basically (laughs) help support the case to do an ethics investigation of the foremost left members of the city of council. Yeah. What? Yeah, it's, uh, I know it's a crazy story. I can send you guys a link in the chat. Oh yeah, but... please, please. Yeah, it's almost but... like it's almost like the whole like lie about like oh well I'll join the police force and then I'll turn this whole thing around. If mm-hmm. I become the police chief, uh, the police yeah. like everybody yeah, thinks they're Serpico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got <laughs> but Serpico stopped being a cop and he moved like Sweden. <laughs> right, exactly. exactly. That's the lesson. <laughs> really good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no, this um story was really awful, and and actually last night a um a uh, I think it was a um county judge basically said that the petition to get to get rid of Shama want even though she has won every election she's ran and has been outspent yeah. the last person was just like it was insane how much more they uh, wow. he was yeah. spent on his uh, campaign and you know it's it's obvious where the money's coming from it's yeah. coming from big yeah. tech if they don't work for um, jeff bezos then they should <laughs> right <laughs> they're getting, exactly. They're fucked over <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. so a, well so what are the ethics charges the ethics charges are like her using her office for um out of like certain like rules and regulations that she's supposed to use it for like honestly people have been trying to do this to shama sawant for years i remember a few years ago one city council person was saying that socialist alternative was using too much of the copier paper you know like god you know like very silly stuff and considering the fact that this is like a you know like she is not like honestly that much of a radical she has like a good posture but she's very much like focused on working class issues trying to tax amazon which i think was a big reason that probably put some extra attention on her um and uh that bill didn't even pass but it put enough pressure to get a still substantial like 300 million plus um you know a tax on big business passed so uh, i'm looking on the um here we go all right i will send this in i'm gonna just send it from my like local neighborhood pay up or the south seattle emerald they're pretty good but uh yeah yeah so yeah that's it's kind of been a real just bizarre moment. And um, I don't know, I, I just was kind of curious how um, sort of some of your experiences maybe with uh, sort of how, you know, black power maybe went from having a radical posture to then becoming right. a lot of, you know, I can think of a lot of mayors. I mean, I grew up in Dallas and we had a pretty business friendly oh, yeah. neoliberal black mayor yeah, who, right. you know, I uh, was saying yeah. Kirk, I think. Um, and, you know, like it, it ended up kind of just being sort of another part of the same. Yeah. Right. We know it. We know class. anything. We know anything about that in New Orleans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you guys know plenty. You mean the city of yes? Uh, yeah. Well, I tell you, man. I mean, yeah. Like, um, here, and in Philly, and in most other places, right? Like in retrospect, um, you know, the emergence of the new black or the insurgent black political class was coincident with the emergence of the new sort of progressive uh, redevelopment oriented um, segment of the ruling class. And they kind of came to power together, right? Uh, And and have been aligned uh, together from the very beginning 
Uh, I mean, Jay, Jay Arena's book on New Orleans is great uh, yeah, for this stuff. Um, it's called Driven from, from New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, but yeah, I mean, that's what Black Power turned out to be. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's what it was. And, you know, again, in retrospect, it makes sense because it was um, a slogan without a program, right? It, it, it was more expressive than it was substantive and, and, and strategic. And when it was time, you know, for people to give concrete agendas to black political empowerment, you know, they were class skewed agendas. And I mean, the idea that, you know, putting black faces in previously all, all white places as one of the slogans went, uh, it would make shit better. Right. And like you were saying, man, like, uh, if I join a police force, I can become the police chief. Like I'm going to overcome all the systemic functions of, of hyper policing, which always come down to beating down poor people. Um, and so from that perspective, what it means to say that class dynamics operate in, in, in black politics, as well as in the society as a whole is that black people or brown people or anybody are all subject to the same forces of class formation and articulation and conflict and differentiation that the capitalist system is as a whole and that this and the idea that there's some kind of um singular black community over there that's um that's um vaccinated against capitalist class forces is just is itself a class ideology right because as my friend walter michael says uh the more that people deny the significance of class dynamics the more you can be sure that they're pushing their own class agenda. Yeah. And you can, you can read more about that on non-site too. You have the uh, article with him uh, called the trouble with disparity. Oh yeah. Uh, thank you very that much. That was a really yeah. good piece on, on that subject that me and, and Ben and, and our other friend Ben, uh, have been kind of kicking around, uh, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's really kind of one of those things. And, and it really, it, it reminded me the first time I talked to you, um, it was at, when Sue had the sites of resistance over oh, yeah, at Tulane right. mm-hmm. and you brought up something I'd never really thought about that much before, but it was the uh, Booker T Washington sort of approach mm-hmm. of sort of like having the communicator to the black community that you were talking about. Can you just kind of, kind of set that up and, and talk about how that functions within the society? Uh, oh yeah, gladly. Uh, and, uh, and how and, it plays out now, and, like with the 1619 project and things like that, too. Right, right. yeah. No, no, totally. And then before I do, like, I just thought of another uh, in, instructed black mayor, Norm, Norm Reed from Seattle. Oh, who yeah. That's before my time. Two, two stadium um, um, construction deals that were defeated by the electorate. <laughs> and, and 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 you push the fucking thing through through anyway, right? Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So, well, I mean, going back to like SNCC, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, like in the mid 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 sixties, the radicals in SNCC, you know, started asking, well, well, how does one get to be a Negro leader anyway, right? And like this is a question that hadn't been 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 asked, and people still don't ask it. Um, and the answer is. 
that you get to be re recognized as a Negro, Black, or African-American leader by being recognized as that by people who are in power, because there's never been a referendum, right? Uh, and um, I've often said that the, that, that the role, the job, uh, was invented basically, or at least uh, you know, metaphorically on September 18th, 1895, when Booker T. Washington gave the, the Atlanta Compromise speech that pledged the commitment or, or the support of black people to white supremacy and the segregation and to giving up the vote, because that was in the best interest of the best, best of the two races. And that's what the black leader has been ever since then, right? And yeah, some of them, you know, more radical or more militant, because another problem that's a legacy of the 60s, and it's true on both, both sides of the color line, is the tendency to mistake militancy, whether it's a posture, or rather, which is a posture, and radicalism, that's a substantive program. Yeah. And you can be militant as hell about a conservative program, right? Right. Um, so like the uh, 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 historian Michael R. West at um, Holy Cross did a really nice book a number of years ago called The Education of Booker T. Washington. And the key point in that book is that he examines, well, he says the following, that from um, the time that slavery became an, an issue at the founding of the Republic till the Civil War, um, the idea of the Negro question, as it was understood, or the Negro problem, uh, was, was a problem that had to do with slavery, right? Once slavery is abolished, for the next 30 years, like the Negro problem or the Negro question kind of goes away. Because what you've got is in the South, where the vast majority of the Black population is, you've got Black people in, engaging in politics um, alongside whites, right? Uh, and especially in the working class. Um, and so sort of trying to, there, there's like a 30 year struggle over what uh, you know, the new post-slavery South is gonna be, mm -hmm. right? Um, bottom line is that our side lost, right? And that, that's, that's what most often happens when you are in a direct fight with the ruling class because they have all the power. But, but, but after the defeat of the populist in insurgency at the end of the 19th century. Um, the, the question uh, of the Negro question, the issue of the Negro question got put on the agenda um, again, but this time you got a problem. The problem is that black people are constitutional citizens of the United States and are entitled to all the rights that, that the citizens are entitled to under the constitution. The, uh, the northern uh, the ruling class uh, was prepared to make an accommodation with the southerners, with the southern uh, uh, ruling class to um, um, you know, let or to wink, wink, not, not, not the other way about their their imposition of of a regime based on the principle of white supremacy. So, I mean, how do you do that, right? Well, what? What Michael West argues, and, he's, and, and he contends that this was like the genius, the evil genius, like the Book of Washington, was, was the, what was the emergence of the notion of race relations. So that the question is no longer what black people as individuals, workers, farmers, parents, students, 
um, lawyers, shipbuilders, whatever, are are entitled to, right? As individuals, but how the 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 races as as abstractions um, actually relate to one another, <clears throat> and from this perspective. You know, there's only good race relations and bad race relations. And what good race relations means is, is that nobody's complaining uh, publicly. What bad race relations mean is that somebody's complaining. Mm-hmm. Since the ruling class uh, spoke for um, the white race, um, then it then only their complaints counted, yeah. basically, right? So you got away then. So you basically so so what the race relations idea does is it divests black people of their of of their individuality as citizens, right? And it reduces the totality of their existence to to race. Mm-hmm. And what that means then is that any since since race and like this was consistent, uh, you know, with nineteenth century or or late 19th century race theory, but that's another story. But, but what that means then is that any person who, who can be recognized, or rather any person could be recognized as speaking for the race as a whole, because the interest of the race was this abstraction that nobody really uh, embodied anyway, right? And that's what the race relations idea was. And and when you think about it, that's that's persistent, right? I mean, the idea, what um, even the notion of something called the black vote, mm-hmm. right? I mean, assumes that you know black people think with one one Hive mind. mind about stuff, mm-hmm. and that's work work for the Clinton wing of the Democratic Party too. Well, and and like you know, we talked a little bit about Obama earlier, and like he was the embodiment of like the political, like the, the politicization or whatever. And right. that was sort of that that sort of plays into this, don't you think? Oh no, absolutely. And and the Obama, uh, I mean, the Obama story is kind of interesting in that regard too. I mean, like um, I've often said that um, it's less important to be smart than it is to be in the right place at the right time and keep your eyes open. And I just happen to live in the state senate district that Obama. Um, emerged in. So I was kind of, and was also close to his predecessor in that office. So I was involved in the controversy like between them about uh, the endorsement for the seat. Uh, so in that sense, like I've sometimes said, like I was in the birthing room at the outset of his you know, political career. <laughs> it's a boy. Uh, his doula. <laughs> uh, Sorry. I'm saying you're his uh, doula. Oh, oh yeah, right, right. <laughs> what a fucking thought. Myself <laughs> <Yeah>. now, <laughs> but uh, I I work with re- really young kids, so doulas are probably I am I mind a little more than most people. Oh, so. well, yeah, it's a great image, though. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, but part of what he had to do, and like this is, what well, this is another creepy thing about those two, uh, you know, memoirs of his that, that his. He talks very openly about his self-fashioning, right? Like his his creation of a persona. And again, I read this shit and think, don't you, Bundy. why don't you other motherfuckers? Why don't you other motherfuckers get some echoes of Ted Bundy's and mm-hmm. shit, right? Like, 
um, when you read this, but, but, but it's self-fashioning. And part of it was crafting a black persona. And, uh, and, and my son in his book, Toward, Toward Freedom, he's got this long chapter. Very good. <clears throat> cool, I'll pass it on. But um, he's got this long chapter on um, Coates and Obama. Yeah. Well, and he talks about that, right? That Obama crafted a black identity for himself, but it's basically, and, and, and I mean, I saw this in the campaign in 08, that he legitimized him, himself with uh, the NAACP and with other black political elites mm-hmm. by basically beating up on black poor people in speeches before black, black audiences, right? Like that Popeye's chicken speech and the Philadelphia speech uh and 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 you know damn well he never had a cousin named named pookie right <laughs> um, but and and part of the irony was like at the beginning of his political career i mean like everybody figured that the way he was going to go because everybody said like his supporters said even that the state senate seat was just a stepping stone for him and they figured that where he was going to go with, was was to replace Daly as mayor when mm-hmm. Daly was tired of being mayor, and then should open up the other way. Um, you know, the Wall Street types picked him up. Um, yeah, and then the U.S. Yeah. Senate was a stepping stone for him. <laughs> right? No, no, no. That's right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but his performance of racial authenticity, because there was a lot of skepticism about him him at first, and you can see why. Right. I mean, he's from Hawaii. Right. His father's an African. His his uh, his uh, your mother was a white woman from Kansas and Nebraska or whatever. Um, and he grew up in Hawaii. But um, but the way and I can't stress this enough, the, the, the route that he took to establish his black bona fides was pimping underclass ideology. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, Can you describe and, that a little bit uh, underclass ideology? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I mean, no, that's okay. Just for the benefit uh, of our audience. But yeah, so like in the late 50s, um, you know, anthropologist Oscar Lewis uh, created a notion called the culture of poverty. And the point of it was that some percentage of the of people who live in poverty, uh, the rough estimate is 15, 20 percent, are mired in a self reproducing culture. Mm-hmm. And Lewis tried to have it both ways on the moral judgment uh, on the aspect of this um, uh, because he uh, a- acknowledged that these cultural characteristics were the product initially of rational adaptations to the constrained circumstances that people lived in. Mm-hmm. But then they could take on a life of their own and it persists if if like opportunity structures open. Well, there was a big, big debate about this mm-hmm. notion in the mid to late sixties, um, especially or partly around crafting of war on poverty. Uh, and, and obviously the, uh, you know, the culture of poverty notion never went away because it was too appealing to elites to go away. Um, but it was kind of pushed um, the contending view right, that culture is more plastic and fluid and mm-hmm. that you open opportunity structures and people will, will respond. Uh, 
made some headway over the 70s. And by the end of the 70s, coincident with the coming of Reaganism, um, starting with journalists and then with so social scientists in the poverty research industry, uh, you know, the notion com comes back, right? It's the same old, it, 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 it's like taka vodka, but in a Mardi Gras vodka <laughs> label, right? It's the same rot gut shit, but you put another label on it. Uh, Rebranding, baby. And, and the urban underclass was the same thing, right? Was the same thing as the culture of poverty, except now there's more violence and shit. In it, yeah. Right? So that's where you that get war became, on crime, war on drugs, all that stuff. Right, right, exactly. And that's what justified it all, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and I mean, uh, and like even those. But with that spate of, you know, black gangbanger films that looked like they could have been made at David Duke studio, mm -hmm. right? Like Boys in the Hood and New Jack City and all that stuff, uh, kind of fed fed into it and the gangster rap shit. Mm -hmm. um, so, but, um, so over, well, it's kind of a funny moment here too, like in Reagan's first time, right? Uh, as far as the race policy stuff went, he was just ham. He appointed black mouthpieces who just hammered on the civil rights establishment, right? In his second term, like, like they eased it up a little bit. And the line that came from the black Reaganites was uh, we have these problems in the black community, mm -hmm. right? These moral problems, this, this need of, uh, for moral re rehabilitation that only black people can solve themselves. Only uh, the black middle yeah. and upper middle class basically. They're saying it's not our problem, it's your problem. Right, but that works out well then because that, uh, and it worked, and frankly, I was surprised at how well it worked with the class because, but, but mm -hmm. in a way, um, the, the career aspiration of, of big bunch of the professional, a big section of the professional managerial um, strata uh, among black people has always been about managing, taking over, uh, I mean, the management of, uh, of uh, and, and administration of the dispossession, mm -hmm. right, of, of, of you know, black people. And, and I mean, like now, man, like it's fascinating. And I'm kind of surprised that more, more people don't seem, seem mm -hmm. to take, take on its implication. But it's fascinating to me how um, the response to, and thus the demand coming from um, these egregious instances of um, hyper-policing and, 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 and police murder. And I mean, by the way, I'll just say this as a parenthetical. Um, I haven't seen anything like as bad as the George Floyd, Floyd murder was, right? Gr gruesome. Um, I don't think. Well, it's it's parallel, and I'm mm -hmm. not. And no, 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 I'm no, no, not no, going to try to do a right. A who's, no, who's, which which horror show is the worst one, right? Yeah, right, right. But not interesting. But, yeah, but but the video of of the killing of Daniel Shaver. Mm -hmm. Right. Um. The the guy who works at, as an exterminator, like in Arizona. And was in a, a motel, and somebody had called in that saw somebody with a gun. Was yeah. Hit. And the cop 
it was clear that that cop was going to kill him from the very beginning. Like he's because he kept telling him, "I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you." And then he fucking killed him. Well, all right, but I just close. But well, let's close parens on that. But yeah. But I'm surprised how few people have connected the dots that um, that lead from the uh, the analysis of systemic racism uh, with with pointing to the killing of George Floyd, Floyd and Breonna Taylor as evidence yeah. to a demand that the response be more black people on Wall Street, more Oscars for black filmmakers and actors and shit. Um, and, and, uh, and, and more of that kind of, or, you know, more corporate BLM money. Yeah. And, and, and does that like fall into sort of like the Garvey idea, the, the sort of Marcus Garvey, like basically nationalist capitalism in a sense. Oh yeah. And no, I think that's, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's what it is with the difference being that, that in the 1920s, Garvey was an outsider from the mainstream, mm-hmm. right? The last 40, 50 years, when we got more black people coming through Ivy League institutions and fancy law, law, law schools and you can shake a stick at, right? I mean, they are, they are integrated, right? I mean, into the ruling class, just like mm-hmm. here. I mean, um, and I've written about this, I've said it over and over. So Jeff, uh, uh, I apologize. You probably heard me say it a half dozen times. <laughs> But, but in that moment after Katrina, right, with, with, with the horrible images of people on the overpasses and stuck mm-hmm. stuck in the um, in the Superdome, the convention center, when the lesson that everybody takes takes away from that is the persistence and the depth of racial oppression in 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 America. Well, you look and then immediately, right. Um, People were freaking out, like in black black politics, um, when when a Mitch ran ran against Nagin, and then again when Mitch was elected, mm-hmm. and there was no longer for a couple of years, you know, there was no longer um, a, a black majority in the city council, uh, and something like that was going on in Atlanta at the same time, while the black candidate won. But there's all this talk about loss of of black power and and whites bringing back uh, white supremacy and Jim Crow. The reality is that since Katrina, the local ruling class has become more seamlessly interracial, mm-hmm. biracial that, 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 than it was previously, right? I mean, it's like, and yeah, I mean, race is one of the fault lines on which people in the governing class uh, or around which they mobilize to try to advance their, 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 their particular or their bill of particulars, right? Who's going to get the contract? But it, but it's within a fundamental framework, such that these people go to the same churches, they mm-hmm. live in the same neighborhoods, they attend the same functions, they sit on the same boards. Right? Their kids, they're, they're on the same boards at the same charter schools. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And the sleepovers and the traveling soccer teams, and they go to one another's weddings, and they marry one another. I mean. Right. I mean, this is like, what I mean, this is more Domhoff than 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 Marx, right? I mean, this is what a sociological analysis of what the ruling class looks like. But, and from that perspective, so so like even and I mean, this is the reason that that I don't like to use the term of uh, gentrification anymore, right? Mm-hmm. And insist on calling it by the 
much more cumbersome <laughs> rent intensifying re redevelopment because it's got a ring to it. Uh, oh yeah, no. Well, well, but I'm experiencing that um, definitely. <laughs> uh, because uh, uh, because gentrification in, in implies you know displacement of uh, of an Aboriginal population and and a cultural process. When this is like a straight up political economic process, mm -hmm. right? It's not that black people are being displaced. And I've uh, nice to talk to my mother about this, right? It's not that black people are being displaced. It's that poor people are being displaced, whatever color. And it just so happens that so far, at least, like in New Orleans or 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 or, or in Orleans Parish, uh, I would suggest that people in both Jefferson and and in Saint Bernard, um, I mean, look around. Uh, but but uh, like in Orleans Parish, the people who get the shit into the stick are disproportionately black. Mm -hmm. But that's not what 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 it's all about because you've got black people involved in the process from top to bottom, right? And one of the things that the racial discourse does, right, is that it makes the response to the injustice um, seem to be representation, right? So there's a racial in, in, injustice in, 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 in charterization, for instance, mm -hmm. not that public education is, is being commoditized and, and fucking destroyed, but if the problem with it then is that it's culturally in, insensitive to black people, well, then that's a demand for a piece of the pie, right? Mm -hmm. uh, for, for, for like integration of more black wolves, right? Like into the charter industry. It's the same thing that's true, true, true of the redevelopment stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. I remember, uh, what was this? Um, about six, six, seven years ago, maybe, um, uh, the Wendell Pierce and, um, Troy, Troy Carter, I think, mm -hmm. but, um, supermarket. Uh, I mean, a couple of of those of those Carters, I get confused. Troy, the uh, the, the state senator. Yeah, I think he's like one of the. He was actually, yeah, we we had had him on one of our little things on the JP executive okay. committee, but but yeah. Uh, it might have been him. It might have been one of Chink Chink Henry's grand grandkids, right? Sure. But like they have. Uh, um, I mean, they got a development company mm -hmm. and they were fighting with somebody else to get access to a property. I think it was on like clo close to Legion Fields and um, and um, Claiborne, maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, but on the edge of what was then, you know, Marini and Bywater and mm -hmm. as Bywater continues to expand toward 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 the river. Uh, but, um, and like, then there's probably going to be a North by water across the canal. Oh, oh sorry. It's by where uh, I finished expanding mm -hmm. the canal, but, but, um, I quote, um, I quote this article, like in a time, times picking in about them, like they were complaining that the competing developer wasn't local. Right. I mean, it was absentee, um, um, um wasn't. Uh, and an authentic New Orleans company. Well, what that means is that it's kind of like, I mean, they're trying to make a racial argument, but both these motherfuckers are the same thing, right? I mean, they're exactly the same, right? There's no difference like between them. Uh, but I thought it was like a nice illustration of, of how the language of authenticity 
works um, to as part of jockeying for for position, uh, you know, within this class class driven politics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that hurts me to hear you come at the bunk like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, man, I know. Uh, but I got a good, but good, good friend who grew up with him and in the Pontchartrain train park who said he was always full of shit. But I don't know about it that. Is a, it is a hard truth to swallow. <laughs> yeah. Well, but no, but look, the reality is, I mean, he's not a terrible guy, right? Um, uh, and I mean, the reality is that people pursue their interests, and I mean, nobody ever sets out to do evil right but I mean, everybody sets out to do right and i think he's a right. he's a person that does consider himself a like a true capitalist though like he's been oh yeah right no, he's very clear about that yeah yeah I mean, he's very clear about it and and i mean look um i mean that's what i mean that's the nature of the game I, you know i wouldn't say that he needs to be something other than what he is right uh, but but i apologize to ben for this too but like um oh, sorry, but like ben. like this Go also local. does this is great oh yeah <laughs> but right, this is like right. also I love it. Oh, tell me more yeah that's just like... got to be all over seattle right yeah uh, oh yeah actually but like yeah. when you got somebody like sydney torres who oh, like yeah. white people fucking love they love them because like this this is like right. their their side it's their trump in this like racial racial animus machine you know hey, he's uh he's like uh He's like attached to culture because he had a show on like whatever. Oh matter. god, he where he would just basically like go that. and like flip houses and like just right. like like do, he was literally doing the rent and tentrified redevelopment oh, that yeah, you were talking right. about and putting it on TV and say, hey, this is awesome, isn't it? Right. Yeah, right. I'm, oh, but that a lot of that stuff was masked in like, oh, we're bringing it back after Katrina. Like we we're coming back, guys. We had a show on uh we had a show on Fox. It was called uh. Kville or whatever. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, you know, Kabakov, right, who was responsible for for destruction of the St. Thomas project and then the Abbeville project. Uh, I mean, actually said that he became committed to destroying um, publicly funded low-income housing when he read uh, in the William Julius Wilson's book, The Truly Disadvantaged, which was about the underclass, and saw how terrible concentrated poverty was. Uh, and he said he cried. <clears throat> and uh, that's what committed him to getting rid of the places that poor people had had, had to live. Mm -hmm. yeah, instead, oh. of having a, instead of having a bad place to live, they have no place to live. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> Right. It's like the, the problem still exists. We just can't see it anymore. Well, it's like right. cleaning well, out, yeah, the, it's like cleaning out the homeless people yeah. underneath the bridge now, too. I mean, it's the same right. goddamn thing. Yeah, they, they they'll like go over there and start arresting people and be like, "You got to go further down the street." And now <laughs> they're even trying to shut down the, the uh, first Sunday thing, first Saturday thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, Jesus, man! Wow. Like they, uh, the last thing they tried to do was like start jacking all the vendors. Uh huh. Okay. Wow. Man, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> And it's happening every place. I mean, um, you, you know, the the black mayor of, of the Columbia, South South Carolina, was doing the same same kind of thing. Uh, um, I was sweeping homeless people out 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 from the from 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 around the trendy little uh, you know, redeveloped area on on the weekends. Um, I mean, so um, I mean, I'm sure you guys saw this, but like in one of those. Um, um, 
new or comparatively new concerts that Dave, Dave Chappelle did, uh, I was struck that he was talking about Trump and he said uh, uh, that to uh, poor white people who voted for Trump, uh, he said, look, I got bad, bad, bad news for you. He, he said, Trump, Trump's not going to do anything for you because Trump doesn't give a shit about you. Trump's going to do stuff for me because I'm rich. <laughs> right. Yeah. But he's not doing a fucking thing for you. So uh, get over it. Right. But, but I mean, the thing is, like, I keep going back to those six and a half to nine million people who voted for Obama and, and uh, then for Trump. And those are, to some extent, more or less articulately. And I've seen, seen people like that. I've, 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 I've talked to union leaders like this who voted for Trump, uh, you know, not because they supported the racism and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, partly because they hated Hillary. And I mean, there are good reasons to hate Hillary and bad reasons to hate Hillary. And I'm, I'm prepared to accept that a lot of these people who, who, who hated her didn't distinguish the two, right? Mm-hmm. The good or the, uh, from, from, from the bad. But, but it's like, um, that, that, that's like my good, good friend, Anthony Mazaki, who was the founder of the Labor Party, a long, long time leader of the oil chemical and anatomic mm-hmm. workers, said that, that as things get worse and worse, um, um, the mainstream, mainstream liberalism isn't going to be able to respond um, you know, to people's fears and concerns. And if we, as the left, can't find a way to connect with them by which he meant provide credible explanations of why why things are so bad for you and 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 at least the rudiments of a plausible seeming way to get out of the situation and turn the tide then the field is going to be open to much more dangerous interests right i mean you know the militias the fucking yeah. um and like when uh, the Democrats don't offer anything other than like you were saying earlier, hard times and bubble gum, and there are right. a lot of bubble gum, then like you're 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 kicking that door wide open. Yeah, no, you really are. And I mean, it's hard to understand. I mean, how they can't see that. And I know this goes back to your question earlier, man, about uh, Ben, uh, uh, about uh, uh, what what they believe and and or I mean, how sincere they are. And I, and I guess I still 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 say the same thing. I mean, they've they've got to believe it, right? I mean, just like yeah. that's why they're not answering the question. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's almost like uh, you ever read Superman comics, and it's like uh, mm-hmm. you'll see this guy, and he'll be the worst guy for a month, and Superman just cannot can't come out a way to take him down. And yeah, he can punch really hard, and it's like, well, Superman finally takes him away, and it's like, wow, everything's finally good. But the next guy can punch really hard and like throw up acid out of his mouth, and it's like, oh god, this guy's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst thing we can think of right now. But like, the yeah. people, these people in like uh, hedge funds are thinking up of something even worse. Right. Like, oh, just, no. like in the laboratory. Then I think you're right, man. Because for them, right, crisis is opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, um, I can't remember now whether it's Andrew Mellon or. Um, well, no, Andrew Mellon said in the Great Depression that in, in, in times of crisis, money and, and, and assets 
uh, 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 revert to their rightful owners, right? mm-hmm. which which says what they think of the little bit that that uh, we have. But I think it was Baron Rothschild that said, "When there's blood in the street, buy, buy property." So I mean, that's the way that they operate, right? Like a crisis for them, it is an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And a you can see what's happened with the stock market. I mean, the idea. So look. Well, it's not just the stock market. Like, it's also the high end, uh, the real estate market. Like, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a realtor. Uh, um, well, on the weekend, I said that, like, well, 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 one of the things that we're seeing, seeing under COVID now is that people are finding their $500,000 houses too small because um, everybody's living on top of one another. Mm-hmm. So they're in the market, you know, for million dollar houses. I'm thinking, how the fuck can there be a market for million dollar houses? When 27 million people have lost their health insurance, and God knows how many mm-hmm. are un- unemployed. But then look at the stock market, right? It's totally disconnected from what people's actual conditions are. And I mean, that just tells you, right, that they've set this thing up um, so that they they get over no matter what. Yeah, and like motherfuckers like uh, Jeff Bezos can make $10 billion of some crazy shit when, when COVID happens. Right, I mean, right, right. It's extraordinary. Him and Musk and the rest of those assholes. The worst people. people Scott. People talk, people talk bad about like social media and stuff, but like it is very much like a peek into people's minds and like what they complain about. It's like being, it's like almost like playing cards with a bunch of people. You, you can see their met. id. Because, uh, yeah. because like, uh, like, as all this happens, like you see people being like in these apartments in New York and they're like, oh man, right. once this is over, I want to live anywhere except an apartment in New York. So, right. like, and right. like, they want to, they're like, man, I wish I lived somewhere with a patio or a backyard. So like, right. that just like, like begs to argue that these people, like the people with, with the means and like without yeah. the tethers to like having to commute are going to be like moving to Westchester like they did in the sixties. Right, no, I think that's probably right, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. And and in those markets, and 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 here again, uh, well, I mean, Seattle's another one. Yeah. Like uh, Vancouver and you know, Toronto, New York, and Boston. So much of the high end property is owned absentee anyway, mm-hmm. right? By uh, rich Saudis and Japanese and Germans or whatever the fuck else, right? I mean, Russians trying to like launder their money and stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah, I actually uh, wrote a. Uh about this our current mayor the one who is uh helping uh jeff bezos get that 10 billion dollars oh yeah uh, she uh <laughs> her uh, challenger who was more i don't know if she's quite like a bernie person kind of between bernie and warren but uh, uh-huh. she, when uh her uh, uh opponent uh called to um have a like basically have a list in a database that's openly available of you know, of real estate speculators. Mm-hmm. So people, people can know it's sort of like, oh, this is this is capital from out, outside of um, wow. Seattle. Yeah. Uh, the uh, current mayor said that that was Trumpian because it played into xenophobic mm. oh, tropes, wow. oh, you know? Man. So, oh, man. You wow. know, so that is stuff that they will they will do what Don't they know that commerce is the great equalizer? <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> only color I it doesn't matter if you're white, brown, right. black, green. That's the only right. color that matters. I mean, so. no, 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 that's right. Yeah, cuz she's Asian, isn't she? The mayor? No, she's uh she's a white lady. Okay. She's gay, but also she came okay. from she's one of the richest people in a very rich city. So it's not oh, exactly Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Great. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 
people uh, actually watched a lot of stuff about like uh, ancient Japan and like after like they like overthrew the shogun or whatever. And uh-huh. it wasn't like the people who went on to like control the government like and become like imperial Japan were like the merchants because gained all this influence because like the power vacuum of like not mm-hmm. having this uh, feudal system. Yeah, the capitalist class. All, yeah, it put the capitalist class in power and they were right. like, well, what do we do? We need to go get more resources. Well, and then, and then the rest is history. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah, yeah really, Jesus. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. It makes sense. And, and that's kind of, look, I mean, that's kind of a version of what happened in uh, France and in England. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? I mean, at least uh, a friend of mine actually made a tweet about, uh, uh, about France and she was like, well, things are good in France because like now they have this precedent for like with the, like, uh, like beheading all the rulers. They have this precedent where yeah. like, Anytime these riders start sitting on cars, like cars on fire, they're, they're like, oh, no, we know how this goes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's we, still we, very we, fresh in their mind. We, yeah. we talked well, about this, too. Well, cool. And like the guillotine was like, I guess, used against like parts of the royalty or whatever. But it was also right. used against political rivals yeah. and like the workers yeah, when they true. got uppity. You know, that's like, what the, the like, force for reaction is just as much. All that weird, like interminable Jack Jacobin stuff where they like, Marat facing against like uh, whoever else the other guy is like them just like trying to cut each other's head off first is just like infighting at like the highest level. It's like once all these places people come into power, they just start like trying to pick each other off. You consolidate. Yeah. yeah. You don't need to be in a power for that. You could just be on the uh, left in uh, America. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get anywhere before. Yeah. <laughs> at so least the stake. At least the stakes are low. Yeah. <laughs> Your head's not on the line here. Um. Yeah. I guess um, as we kind of wind down, um, I did want to ask, because I know you do a lot of work for Medicare for All out in South Carolina. Um, yeah. And I know you you know part of that work, it's, it's got to do with, um, you know, like like organizing with the labor union folks out there. Right. Uh, you got a hell of a gym in there. Look at that. You working out. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, you know, Adolf, your um, room is a bit of a uh, meme. Actually, uh, yeah, I yeah, heard. yeah. So I was wondering if you heard that. You got a famous room. We're all very impressed. I'm, I'm very impressed. Yeah, well, um, that's why, like, I got the fake, um, yeah. the fake background here, and 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 what happened was I got off. Ah, there we are. Um, to download your, uh, um, link. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, but now what I need to do? Wait, hold on a second. We're not on video um, anyway. <laughs> But uh, here we go. It's all cool. Uh, see, but this is why um, I got my fake, fake background. Here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, I, I, I guess what oh, I'm getting at, um, as far as my question, the um, like, like you're doing a lot of work for Medicare for All out in South Carolina, yeah. and a lot mm-hmm. of that involves labor stuff, uh, right. working with the unions, and um, I guess if you're like a young guy, like you know, like myself or if you're or somebody else and they wanted to actually plug in to doing, you know, actual politics and getting actual shit done, where would yeah. you start and what would you do? Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's a good question. Is I mean, it, yeah. I think, um, um, I mean, actually see here, like, I think the stuff that, you and Mike were involved in, mm-hmm. in, in in the CLC a few years ago. It was like mm-hmm. a good, um, I mean, good way to go. Like the organizing mm-hmm. with the young activists and stuff. Mm-hmm. 
and I mean, in, and and inside the labor movement, right? I mean, because um, it's other stuff. I don't know. I mean, like the DSA stuff. To be honest, like the brake light clinics and shit like that, I just don't see it. Mm-hmm. I just don't see that stuff going 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 much of anywhere. I mean, a big problem, of course, is that it's good to be part of of an organized effort, right? That 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 requires some discipline. But you know, I mean, maybe what didn't Michael Lighty give a talk? Yeah, he did. Uh, yeah, yeah, to the CLC or, or, or was that a DSA? Talk? That was a DSA thing. We held it actually. Uh, we held it at, at musicians. Deacon John has actually oh, yeah. uh, been like okay. super awesome about uh, giving us space back when we could meet in places. But uh, oh, Deacon, Deacon yeah. John's the best. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a great guy. So, I mean, um, so uh, one thing I'm thinking is like, um, if you can identify other um, people with comparable politics, right? I mean, young young people, preferably in the trade union movement, right? To start trying to talk about, um, I mean, Medicare for all, or 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 like other issues that are pertinent. Uh, I mean, to working people, just to get 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 started to try to figure out. Um, you know, what it's possible to push inside the unions, right? I mean, I remember like that thing that we did did at my cousin's hall, the IBW hall. Yeah, uh, that was a great time. Oh, man, yeah, it was great. And, and I mean, the brother who was, uh, I mean, secretary treasurer of the CLC, uh, was he out of the painters? or the? He's with the painters. Chip's a great guy. By the way, yeah. let me tell you about him. Yeah, we so it was it was one of the coolest things we had like one of these we had been doing a lot of organizing. I didn't mean to interrupt, but um, we were doing a lot of organizing before school started about trying to keep the schools safe and keep kids going remote. So we don't go into these, you know, schools and just give everybody else coronavirus. And Chip showed up with some painters, folks. Tiger was there. We had some folks from ATU, like all kinds of folks from all across the labor movement showing up in solidarity. It's such a beautiful thing, you know? Chip's a great guy. Well, see, this is the kind of thing I think it's important for us to build on, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So, I mean, that's... uh, I I mean, if I were looking to focus on some some activity, that's the kind of stuff I'd focus on. Mm -hmm. I mean, Chip... and it's building the relationship with those guys and, mm-hmm. you know, just let all this other shit go and, and be what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Chip is pretty powerful. He even got me a job once. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> all right. You got anything else there, Ben Scott? I am good. I'm just so grateful that, uh, uh, uh that, uh, well, this is a great time, man. Man, that was I'm awesome. Well, I'm glad to meet you, Scott, too, man. Yeah, I just yeah. want to say say thank you, Professor Reed. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. hey. No, I mean, thanks a lot, guys. It's um, it's my pleasure, and uh, and uh, and we should do this more often. It's good absolutely, man. Yeah, and, absolutely. And and, uh, and uh, look, and, and we're we're, kind of, we're done. Um, but I know you were close with Michael, and I texted you about this a little bit earlier. Michael Brooks and like, God oh, yeah. damn, man, yeah. that was such a devastating thing. But I just wanted oh, to like, man. but you yeah, know. I know. And I mean, a, um, a friend just. Uh, in fact, just before I got on the Zoom call, just um, emailed me they're planning a kind of a memorial event uh, over three three days in, uh, in December. Um, oh. I mean, uh, in a Zoom conference and uh, and and this guy Harvey K. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, we had him on the show. He's great. Oh, he's 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 hilarious. Well, I love that guy. Too. Yeah, he's yeah, great. he's a great guy. 
and uh, and and they want him and my son, uh, uh, well, him and my son and me to be on a panel together with somebody else. So, so I'm looking forward to that. Oh yeah, I'd love yeah. to be. A, I'd no, love but to that was a that. terrible loss, man. It was a really, really horrible loss. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Michael was a great guy. Like I, we um, last fall, right? Uh, like he was in New York uh, and was planning to take the train to D.C. And I had to go to New York to to, to do a talk to the. CUNY Faculty Union of New Retirees lunch, right? Uh, so we agreed uh, you know, to get together, have a beer, and and ride and uh, ride the train uh, you know, together as far as Philly. Uh, but but it was a great time. It was like a great hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah this smart guy. Yeah, what a mind. What a, he was yeah. like. Really had a, a great way of putting things, and he kind of like. Yeah. He, I, I don't know. He seemed to me to be somebody that was like really. Had a lot of patience and understanding, and listened right. to a lot of That's folks, right. and that was good. Uh, yeah, no, totally. And uh, I'm, you know, he's basically a working class guy from Western Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, wonderful guy. And, and like another thing he and I had in common was what was an affinity with um, politics in Brazil. Uh, oh yeah. yeah.